Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You're listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech athletics podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Hey, I, I just assume you're over there with your complete limit of Dove. I think that's what happened this weekend. No. And 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 let me just say, we didn't even go with a shotgun this weekend. What? Uh, my, so my brother-in-law invited me out to go hunting this weekend, which is... It's fantastic. I loved it. I do appreciate you holding down the fort while I was gone. But uh, the property we went to, not known for the dove. So he's like, I'm not going to spend all weekend sitting waiting for dove. They're not going to be just, there's very few that we saw this weekend. But they do have a, a pig, wild hog problem. So we're like, let's go, uh. let's go hunt some hogs. They, uh, they outsmarted us, taunted us. <laughs> Whatever will do that. Whatever, uh, whatever blind and stand we were at, they were at the opposite side of the property. Um, and then they came to the the stand that we were on the next night. So like, uh, there there was this um, this blind that we that they call the creek blind, and that's like that's the one I like to go to. I was there uh, f- Saturday morning. Nothing. We leave brother-in-law like, and, and, and he, we were watching these hogs on, on the trail cameras and the, it's, it's super high, high tech setup. They've got cell towers attached to these, these cameras. They're, they're uh, transmitting pictures in real time. So like when the, the camera goes off, we know where they're at right then. They're never out except like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Like I'm not staying out that late. So they're basically, they're but, raptors. They're the raptors of the bovine. No, bovine's not. What's, is it porcine? Porcine? Yeah. Well, one of those two. But the night we leave, so we, we, we left Sunday at lunch, 9.30, they're all over the creek blind. I was like, are you freaking kidding? So Damn. anyways, uh, take two, card reformat, corruption error stopped us. Luckily, only a few minutes in. So we didn't waste any of our good content on that. But Michael did hold down, like I said, holding the fort for us, did the instant reaction so low. Uh, not sure how I would have held it all together. Not sure if I would have been relieved or excited, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. I'll give my, my reaction to the game. Uh, I was able to watch the game, but I already knew the outcome that Texas Tech won when I sat down to watch it. So it wasn't like a surprise and I wasn't, I wasn't yelling at the TV when Donovan Smith threw that pick with a minute left, or I wasn't super, super anxious when Houston kicked that field goal with 30 seconds left, or in the fourth and 21, and the first overtime was like, well, I know this goes to two overtime, so. Yeah, that, was, that must have been a nice feeling. I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> you guys had to, had to experience that live, uh, where a little bit different, a little, little, uh, Worse, worse for wear, I guess you could say. 
Um, we will talk about my, my reactions, my perceptions from the game. Um, we'll look around the week three. Interesting matchups. Give a, a quick injury update. Do the North Carolina State Wolfpack preview. Spoiler alert. I'm not sure what everybody's seeing, but I'm also like looking back and with the book saying this was a three-point game, Texas Tech versus Houston, and now they're saying it's a 10-point game for Texas Tech versus uh, NC State. It's like, man, I don't know. I don't know, but I've been burned before. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about the preview and then wrap it up. Um, guys, I, I know you've been, you've been with us for a few years doing this, but Saturday mornings. Definitely check everything out, everybody out over at Rob Bros College Tailgate Show, 10 to noon on Saturdays on Talk 103.9 FM here in Lubbock, also streaming on kkam.com and the Talk 103.9 mobile app. Catch us, Kyle and Rob of the Gambling Gauchos, two hours every Saturday morning. Also, we would like to remind everybody that today's episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate on your favorite team. A rising tide lists all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. Oh, Michael. Yes. Got a little wind on the microphone here. Got the got the fan blowing. Um, no, not you. It's me. Oh, it might be me too. I don't know. It's My been, bald head sure is cold. It's been hot in this front room in the afternoons. It usually takes a little bit for that to cool off. But anyways... Let's uh let's get to football. Talk about the game versus Houston. Look around the rest of the Big Twelve, and then talk about North Carolina State. How do you do? Chuck keeps it himself. Made two guys miss touchdown. Two now the end zone picked off, and it's picked off. Pick six, Jeffers. Able to escape and that picked off back to back turnovers and Waters running the other way. Touchdown! Pick six, 70 yards. Marquise Waters play fake, finds Tharp again, and he's in the end zone for his first collegiate touchdown. The deep ball down the middle, and it's caught. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Miles Price, 39 yards for the score. Action, 30. Intercepted. Picked off at the 20-yard line. Smith to throw Wide again. Open. Has a man downfield. And Texas Tech finds the end zone. It's McLean Mannix. Brooks to the left side. To the five. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Smith. Find a little time. Throw to the back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. At 38, three seconds to go, 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into wow. it. It may be long enough. It is good. It is good. It is good. Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal. Oh my God! Can you believe that? Wow! 
right, Michael. I want to start with re revisiting our over and under reactions from the end of week one, where they uh, where they confirmed, where they resolved, or are we still waiting to see? I want to start with the defensive backs because I want to say that that issue, at least through two weeks, seems to have been resolved. Okay. The defensive backs got beat once on a play that even our friend Tim Brando said, whoa, that's offensive pass interference that went uncalled. And I love to be like, well, it's not offensive pass interference because he didn't extend his arm. As they're showing Tank Dell with a locked out elbow (laughs) pushing Rabbit off of him, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure what that was. Like he got the shoulder deflection on the defender. I don't know. So besides that, uh, I think the biggest pass play was like 25 yards and it was a catch and run. It wasn't, it wasn't like they were getting behind the defense. Like we saw Murray state doing. Um, and this is not a bad receiving core. I mean, obviously tank Dell is like, he could start for just about anybody in the, in, in the country. Uh, and Outside of one play that maybe was a penalty that was uncalled, you contained him. You didn't let him break you. I mean, like no. he, he got he got 120 yards or something like that, but it wasn't like the Tank Dell show. Uh, they had, I mean, it felt like nobody else was was a factor in the receiving game. So I would say your issues in pass coverage from week one to week two tentatively I'd say they're resolved. I would, I would almost argue against that saying, I don't know if there's enough proof yet because tune was, he was so rushed out of the pocket. I think they broke up four passes. He was hurried four or five times. He was sacked four times. I think he only completed 20 of 39 passes. So I, I think part of that pressure that they got to tune resulted in making the secondary look a little bit better. Is there a chance that that's a possibility that not necessarily all the receivers were just so covered up, but that tune was just having such a hard day. Thanks to our front seven that he just wasn't able to get him the ball. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm almost walking it back from what I did last week and thinking there's a chance that we haven't seen enough yet, but I'm feeling better. I'm feeling much better than after Def- Murray state. Definitely feeling better about the past defense and the d- defensive backs. Um, at least progression week one to week two, uh, because we did see like when they, when they were in coverage, uh, Malik Dunlap, man, that like that man likes to bat the ball up into the air. He's like, somebody intercept this for me. Like I'm <laughs> right. I'm going to break it up. Somebody catch this. I think he had three or like the defense total. I think had three of those pass breakups where the, the corner just got a full hand on it. And th- th- they were, they weren't in like a position to catch the ball, right? Like n- not like they, like it hit him in the hands. And that's why I'm where I'm, I'm frustrated with him. It hit him in the hands as they were like laid out or like stretched full, full extension on the jumps to break up a pass. So like anything was good. And then they just batted the ball at the end of the air. It's like, let somebody else make a play. Uh, and then there was that, there was a couple of um, passes that, that hit defenders and you would expect uh, if they knew the ball was going to hit him 
<laughs> that they would have caught it. Like I, I think I think there were two defenders that got hit in the chest with the ball. Definitely weren't expecting it. Uh, that you look back and like, man, that could have been a pick. Uh, yeah. So I, I I feel a lot better about the pass defense against a quarterback, an offense that uh, could have done a lot better than they showed on Saturday. So there was that. The uh, the other thing though, it's concern from week one, at least for me, was Donovan Smith's accuracy, and I think there were a f- there were fewer underthrown or inaccurate throws this past weekend against Houston than I remember from week one. So that that also improved, but those inaccurate passes were also much more costly this week that turned into interceptions. Yes. I mean, he threw three of them this week. Right. And none of them were good passes. You know, I I think the one to Tharp was probably the, the best situation, but he underthrew it. Yeah. He, if, if I think Tharp was open, if I remember correctly, I don't remember there might've been somebody in front of him in the end zone, but I still think Tharp could have come, come up with that ball had Smith thrown a better ball. Um, but yeah, the, the other interception to price, there was no chance that was going to get to price. And, and that, then that may the, also the arm punt at the end to, um, no, I can't even remember who was running that route, but it was double coverage and I think it was a little spongy. bit underthrown there too. Yeah. Yeah. So better, but the mistakes this week were, were definitely worse than they were last week. So, We'd love to see that kind of just settle in a little bit, be a little more consistent there. Uh, going through the game, let's. I want to talk about all three sides of the ball. Offense, especially early on, could not figure out what to do about Derek Parrish, number zero for the Houston defensive line. He was disruptive on several different moves, whether it was a just a bull rush or getting around the left tackle. Or whatever that man was, uh, he was disruptive. It seemed though Caleb Rogers got like he figured it out, uh, or or maybe it was a combination of that and, and Kitley kind of schemed around it a little bit better in the second half. But he didn't seem to have the same impact in the second half they did in the first half until overtime. Until overtime, yeah. And then I think he had those back to back sacks to force that fourth and twenty. But yeah, Parrish was a a machine, and somehow. Well, you know, when you do an instant reaction by yourself, you're going to miss a lot of things. So what you're going to hear me do a lot today is kind of come up with stuff I should have said then. But Parrish was incredible. I mean, he had 10 total tackles, eight solo, four sacks on his own. Out of his 10 tackles, six were tackles for loss. Yeah. The dude was just really hard to stop. And then, yeah, that that first uh, overtime, he almost single-handedly beat Texas Tech. Yeah, I, I, I came away from this game actually really impressed with their defensive corner, Doug Belk, their scheme, uh, what they were able to do. I think Belk is going to be like the na- like the next big DC name that's going to come up and get some big opportunity uh, down the road. Like he's, he, from my impression, he was that good. I mean, he's taken players in, in, in the American uh, and, and getting these results. Um, and looking ahead at like Houston's schedule, like they could win out and they probably are going to be favored in the next 10 games. Um, 
And a lot of that's going to be on their defense because I think they're that good offensively that they should be good enough to keep them in games. If like their defense isn't like, you know, as good as it was this past weekend, but man, that defense, like I said, came away very impressed. Uh, in terms of the other thing for Texas tech offense, offensively didn't really seem like you utilize the tight ends that much. Like I didn't remember seeing any two tight end sets. Um, didn't really feel like they made that big of an impact this weekend. Like they, I don't think like, did any of them catch a pass? I don't, I'm not even sure. Um, I, I, I would love to, to know what the, uh, the possibilities were on that play where on fourth and whatever it was in the fourth quarter where Donovan Smith and Baron Morton were on the field together and Donovan runs the ball and slips ends up being short on fourth. down. I was like, what, why are we using our backup quarterback as an inline blocker? How did oh. I, I never even, I didn't even notice that uh, cup did catch a pass. He was okay. the only tight end who was targeted. He caught one pass for six yards. Yeah. I completely missed that. Morton snuck in on that play, but I just felt for, I felt for Smith on that. Cause man, that was a surefire first down. That was a good play call. It's weird that Morton was in there, but just, an unfortunate slip. That's all that was. Yeah. I, when I was watching the game. I was like, cause it, it does, it's really obvious to see a quarterback line up as, as a wide receiver. Cause they don't, they don't commit to being in like the, in the stance, right? Like they're a little more upright and kind of, they don't have the same leg splits. And then he goes in motion. It's like, yeah, that, that, that's not a receiver, but he was the outside receiver on the right motions across the formation into like what the H back position would be. He's basically just off of the left tackle behind him. And he blocks like a defensive end coming around the, uh, around the side to kind of seal off, you know, not letting somebody get, get Donovan from, from the backside. But I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like what, what is, what is coming off of that play later on in the season? where like, you run two quarterbacks out there and you don't have, uh, Baron Morton as a blocker. <laughs> I yeah, wonder what that I, is. This, this is a, this kind of going to derail me slightly, but all of this talk and, and it's not us, it's not, you know, the, the 15 other podcasts, God bless us all, everyone, but it's, it's not us that, that are saying this It's the coaching staff that are saying every week, Hey, we've got these players. We're going to use them. You know, you're going to see Baron Morton. These are direct quotes from our offensive coordinator and our head coach, you will see Baron Morton. You will see Donovan Smith in this game. And it's, it's why, why, why do they say that? Are are they saying that so that, you know, the opposing team will, will burn 10 extra minutes of practice every day to watch some Baron Morton tape. And I mean, if, if, if you're going to say it, but not do it, that's almost more annoying than saying it and doing it. Cause I don't think they should. I don't think that, you know, Morton should just come in on a third and three randomly or anything like that. But if they're going to say it, they should, they should do it, I guess, or or at least acknowledge it. It's just odd. I, I, I wish they would just quit saying it. No one's telling them to, no one's asking them to, no one's clamoring for all, for, you, you know, QB three to get in the game. Of course, there were a lot of people on Twitter with some hot takes until Donovan Smith won the game for Texas tech. But yeah, it's just not, I, it's something I do not understand. And 
is not part of the game that makes any sense to me. End of rant. Yeah. Um, defense. <laughs> I want to point out just like two things. One, and and I know this may be kind of cherry picking or just like whatever, whatever you want to call it. They gave up 13 points in regulation to Houston. That's it. Yes, the final line was 30, and you can understand like seven of those other 17 points was a pick six, so it's not on on the defense. And they scored 10 points from inside the 25. Like, your defense gave up 13 points in regulation. A lot of those came on really short fields. I think if we were better on special teams, which I'll, I'll get to in a second in terms of covering kicks. And then if we had uh, protected the ball a little bit better and not given them short fields on turnovers, this game may not have even been close. I, it really felt like we kept them in as much as they kept themselves out with all their, their mistakes too, their, their, their mental mistakes. Um, but it feels like on special teams, and the turnovers, we, we allowed them so many opportunities to, to score from short fields, but they only converted for 13 points. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, they had uh, the defense got, let's see, they started with the ball on their own 19 or on Texas Tech's 19, held them to a field goal, um, got the ball on Texas Tech's 43 held him to a field goal attempt that they missed. Uh, got an interception when uh, Houston got the ball on the 21. I mean, it was it was really impressive what they were able to do. And like you yeah. said, you know, they're basically an offensive pass interference away from possibly shutting them out, at least from the end zone entirely in regulation. Yeah, because that, that offensive pass interference gave them first and goal from like inside the five. Um, special teams, I, I, I know that like <laughs> there were some, some listeners that, that we met at the tailgate a couple weeks ago that just loved me railing on special teams last year on, on Tomardal, like don't even get Spencer started, but here we are. Um, it feels like I'm taking crazy pills, Michael. <laughs> and I feel like we've said the same thing now for multiple regime regimes, multiple coaches, Fair catch your freaking kicks, especially punts. You gave up 50, 60 yards of field position on multiple punts because Adrian Fry decided not to, not to catch the punt and just rolled from 20 or 30 yards. Like he may be your most sure handed returner, which is fine. Like he doesn't have to be the electric Jakeem Grant or, Tariq Hill, he just needs to have sure hands. Make sure he waits for the fair catch and then catch the dang ball. That's, I, I don't, we, we got to stop letting the, the, the punt hit the ground. And then on top of it, I don't know what he's doing, but like he'll wave people off and then still get within inches of the ball with the op, the opposing team surrounding him. I was like, man, if you're telling people to get away from the ball, you need to get away from the ball. 
Like that is a yeah. disaster waiting to happen. Like self-inflicted, like you're going to turn the ball over. Like it'll bounce off your knee while you're telling your teammate to get away from it. Cause you're not paying attention or you're, you're just too close. Well, then the turnaround on that, it, the punt return game could use a little bit of work. You know, Dell had that touchdown, thankfully called back. Yep. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say thankfully cause McNamara was completely roughed. It wasn't. Oh my gosh, it wasn't even close. Even, no, it wasn't even a borderline. Ooh, they uh, they got away like, with that. Well, okay. No, no, he he just straight up speared the guy in the hip uh, while McNamara was fully extended with his legs still in the air. So, I I mean, I think Tech's fortunate because of that hit. And uh, Dell, I mean, had a, I think a 34 yard return later on in the game mm-hmm. that really set up a good drive for them. Um, I can't remember if that was one of the missed field goals or what, but man, uh, the return game was a little bit rough. Uh, just, just the punt, you know, coverage. And then, like you said, yeah, w- watching that ball roll north up to, you know, plain view wasn't super helpful. It just kind of felt like you're shooting yourself in the foot, which yeah. unfortunately Houston did a lot with their turnovers. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, penalties. I, I think that uh, Trey Wolf has done enough to, to win the job. Um, yeah, he missed a 45-yard field goal, but he also hit 47. Uh, I was listening to the, the Gauchos recap, and I had forgotten that he was actually one of the best kickers as a freshman to come in like four or five years ago, whatever it was. He hit like 18 of 20 on field goals. And then the next year was like the year that you couldn't hit a kick. Like it was completely a mental collapse. Um, I think he was hurt too at some point. Yeah. So like it was a combination of like he got hurt and then as he tried to come back, like he missed one and it may have been like a confidence issue. I don't know. He struggled that year and was never really the same. And then he got replaced by Garibay who was fan freaking tastic. But uh, I think Wolf has like, has come in and done so much to, to earn the job. I think just like, don't mess with it. Just let him come back in, let him take over. Which brings me to one of my next points is mental toughness. This team, even if this was last year, would have found a way to lose this game. Or they would have, um, you know, whether it was after the interception with 30 seconds to go, or sorry, with, with a minute to go, and then Houston kicking the field goal with 30 seconds to go, that would have been it. Game would have been over. But Texas Tech yeah. found a way multiple times in this game to not let something keep them down, figured out a way to put them in a position to win the game, and then went and went won the damn game. Yeah. I mean, that's something I kind of wanted to touch on. I don't think I was as fully complimentary of that aspect of particularly Donovan Smith's game Dude, this like, past week. He He came back from throwing what could have been absolute backbreaker interception to lead the team on a game tying drive with 30 seconds to go. Yeah. With one timeout. And well, yeah. And then thanks Houston for calling a couple more of your own, but I know I really appreciated that Dana. I don't, I don't know. I know what he's there was, going on. There was man. some weird things going on over there, but yeah, th- just what he was able to do in those last few minutes of the fourth quarter just shake it off, man. I mean, it's it's incredible to kind of go back and watch his um, his body language and everything. It doesn't change. It it's doesn't cool. change. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem defeated. He's just like, all right. He just kind of 
wipes wipes his face clean and is like, this is a new drive. Doesn't matter what happened last drive. Let's go. I mean, really incredible what he was able to do. And in such high pressure, super high pressure situations in in those, you know, especially the first overtime. When yeah. you have to score a touchdown. But not even that facing a fourth and 20. And like, yes. we have to convert this and then go score a touchdown. Well, and just after getting sacked twice. Yeah. You know, he's I just the bounce back of him. I I didn't give him enough credit when after the game immediately. And, and I, I, sh- I should have. But my goodness. And Kitley calling the perfect play to get the that mesh. Uh, to, to get the rub and to get Bradley open. Um, and then for there to be just enough pressure to flush Donovan Smith out because he had somebody that was there over the middle, a defender over the middle. But when Donovan started moving to his right, that linebacker came flying up. He was like, no, nah, man, you're not running. And what that did created this massive hole in the defense. And Bradley was right in the middle of it. Well, and Bradley, credit to him too, because he caught it. What at first I thought that uh, we don't know we're close to the first down. Yeah, my memory to was wrong. I, I thought that uh, Smith hit him pretty much right at the sticks, but he didn't. Bradley had to go like five or six yards. Mm-hmm. On, I mean, and he was hauling too at a at an awkward angle and had to stay in bounds. And yeah, I mean, credit to him too. That was a great route and a great uh, run after the catch. Yeah, and then I guess going back to to. To tie that back in, mental toughness back in the defense. You gave up nine big plays on defense. Uh, seven pass plays. These are plays of 15 or more yards, and then two rushes of 10 or more yards. Um, one of the big pass plays was that uh, little screen to Tejon Henry, which ended up in a fumble that Tech Tech recovered. Mm-hmm. The other one was the 63-yard uh, pass to Tank Dell that I think could have been a penalty. Other than that, though, they were like, like they barely met the qualifications for a big play to the stat broadcast. Like it was like 21 yards here and 17 yards here. Like, again, you just didn't like absolutely get gashed. And then you only gave up two rushes of more than 10 yards. And even then they were like 17 yards to a really good running back. Like I did not realize how good number 20 was for Houston uh, that transfer from USC. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Campbell. He yeah, he's going to be he runs hard. <laughs> he's going to be trouble for the American Conference. Um, and then on on offense, you yourself broke eight plays, four passes, four rushes, uh, and they were you know you had they were much more they had more much more significance in the game because two of those pass plays were were in, they ended up being uh, touchdowns. And the other ones were, were setting up game or scoring drives. So um, overall, like, again, it was super low stress for me to watch the game after knowing <laughs> the outcome. But um, a lot of things to be impressed by, a lot of things to be to like and to take from that game. I just feel like um, the team is heading in it in in the direction that you wanted to see, especially hitting the road against another ranked opponent. Um, this upcoming week, the, uh, there isn't a, there isn't a big 12 conference matchup, but there are some more interesting big 12 
sorry, interesting matchups around the Big 12. Uh, do we want to do that or we look at what the Big 12 did this week? Uh, I can, I've got it pulled up. We can just talk real quick about this week three. The slate's not as good as week two because, man, the Big 12 had some good games last week. But um, I'm trying to get first off, up. yeah, first off, you've got Texas State at Baylor, 11 o'clock. And then at the same time, because FU, OU, uh, you've got OU at Nebraska at 11 a.m. That's going to be a just not very good, not very compelling television. I can't think of anybody who's going to care about that game aside from Sooners and Cornhuskers, and that's it. Yeah, uh, the, it, like it, the, the matchups this week, like you said, are definitely aren't the same level as last week. Yeah, Towson uh, at West Virginia. Ooh, sorry, West Virginia. Ohio. Go get one of your Ohio last State. wins of the season. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Tulane to, to, at Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas at Houston. That one's kind of intriguing. It's at 3 p.m. on ESPNU. I, it's kind of going to be a good barometer of a couple of things. Arkansas Pine Bluff at Oklahoma State. Snooze. Of course, Texas Tech at North Carolina State in Raleigh, 6 p.m. ESPN two. And then after that, the game of the, the second game of the week, because of course the tech game is here on the 23 personal co- podcast, UTSA at Texas 7 p.m. But it's on the Longhorn network, which I do not get. That's will, fine. Will the Longhorns have a quarterback? I don't know. I heard uh so they lost Quinn Ewers, very eerily similar to Tyler Shuck. Yes. Went down hard on his shoulder, came up. I saw that it was one of the uh, the tickers during the Texas Tech game that he had a collarbone collarbone strain. I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to put it. That looks like a break to me, man. Um, either way, probably a very similar injury to Shuck. We'll be out for a little bit. And it was uh, Hudson Card that came in, I believe. Yes. And then I heard like he got injured in the game this past week against Alabama. So don't know if he'll be back, but if you don't have a quarterback to throw the ball to Xavier worthy, do you have Xavier worthy? Well, and I think there's even scuttlebutt that B. John Robinson might be out. I, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm not who, sure what to expect. Who does Texas need to beat UTSA? Do they need Robinson and worthy and a halfway healthy card? I don't know. They shouldn't. They shouldn't know. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I don't want to like project into next week when, when they come to town, but like if they're still without yours, not that I was like super like intimidated by yours, but like if they're dealing with Hudson card, I, I I just don't know if that's the same Texas team that I was concerned with a few weeks ago. So week, um, week three, man, you, you just like you tune in for the Texas tech game Maybe you find some non-Big 12 games to watch, or maybe this is the weekend where you get all your stuff done <laughs> and just get back for the night game. Um, last week, week two, uh, like, like we were just talking about, Al- number one, Alabama at Texas. Um, we, we <laughs> Michael noted this in, in, in our, our document today, that in a one-point loss to the number one team, Texas went from unranked to 21st. What in the world? They went from unranked to 21st. Now, they were getting votes after beating 
ULM. I mean, oh, congrats. Way to go. But I think they were getting votes for 28. And then I guess they, they lost so well at home in front of 100,000 people that they earned their, uh, their ranking this week. That's just hilarious to me. And I did quality hear, loss. I, I mean, this is gonna. This is this is the definition of quality loss. Like, holy crap, they lost so well. We're gonna jump them up seven spots. What about to crap myself at how good this team looked. <laughs> What's in funny? This loss uh, where that some of the people were talking about, like how Nick Saban teams have not done well on the road against quality opponents. So, like their their underperformance on the road this weekend was not really that big of a surprise, but let's give credit to Texas for having Nick Saban and his team do what they always do against a, a, a decent team on the road. Kent state at Oklahoma. I would have expected this to be a much larger spread 33 to three Sooners over Kent state. Uh, because I was out this weekend, I really only had time to watch the Texas game, Texas tech game in pieces. Uh, I didn't wasn't able to watch the Baylor BYU game. That would have been the the other more in, most interesting game for me to watch. It went to two overtimes. BYU pulls it out twenty six to twenty. No pun intended there. Arizona State at Oklahoma State thirty four seventeen. Um, Mizzou, I what is what is happening, man? Uh, forty to twelve against Kansas State. Iowa State goes on the road at Iowa, who just doesn't have an offense, and yet, I mean, Iowa State ten to seven. Woof. Um, and I can't remember if we talked about it before the recording or in the first version of the recording that we had to, that crapped out on us. But I just want to take a moment and just laugh at West Virginia not only losing to Kansas, Michael, but losing two by two possessions in an overtime game, which should not be more than one, like a one possession game. It should not be more than seven points yet. They figured out a way to lose not only, like I said to Kansas, but by 13 gave up 55 points. I mean, congrats to Kansas for scoring more in one period of overtime than Iowa state managed to in 60 minutes. I, I mean, I, I hate to point it out, Michael, but besides TCU demolishing a, a really small school, Kansas put up the most points in the conference this weekend. Yeah, against, against, against the Big the 12 opponent on the opponent. road. Uh-huh. So maybe the Jayhawks or something this year. We'll see. All right. Um, injury update. Obviously, we're still we're still um, seeing that Shuck will be out. Um the same four guys that we talked about last week being out, Cameron Valdez, Cameron Watts, Derek Lewis, and LB Moore are all still listed out. Krishan Merriweather is listed as probable for this weekend. Uh, and then a couple of game time decisions and Adrian Fry and Weston Wright. I was going to ask you about Merriweather. Do you happen to know what happened? Because I, I missed that this week. I don't. I did notice, uh, and it, it didn't. It was probably w- well after the fact. Um, a different rotation of linebackers. So, like when Merriweather went out, I just didn't even notice it in the game. Me neither, because I mean, he was still the the total. Um, oh gosh, was he the tackles? He had leader? the most tackles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever that term is, he had the most tackles. 
again. Yeah. Um, so Adrian Fry, um, again, not sure what happened there, but if he's going to be out, I mean, now is as good of a time as any just to go ahead and try somebody else out back there to return punts or at least to catch the punt. Uh, Weston Wright went down. Uh, I think McGuire said it was the same ankle he rolled in fall camp. Uh, so we'll see how, how, how he bounces back. Um, the offensive line seemed to do well when Jacoby Jackson came in and in his, his place. Um, not saying it got better because obviously Weston Wright's a starter for a reason, but, um, well, he was having trouble with Parrish. Everybody, everybody was. was. Everybody was. All to right. Be fair. Uh, let's look at the NC, the NC State Wolfpack. We're we're here to preview the game. We're forty minutes in. Uh, thanks for for hanging with us. Oh, do you want to note the uh, the Texas game for the twenty fourth? Game time has been set for two thirty. Over on ABC ESPN. All right. Yeah. NC State this weekend, this Saturday night, six p.m. ESPN two tech as of this afternoon, when I put this together was getting plus 10 points on the road with an over under at 55 and a half. We'll get to those numbers in a little bit when we give our predictions and our, our uh, projections, whatever you want to call them. But looking at the, the NC state Wolfpack offense, I don't know, man. I don't know where this is because I, I, I have not watched any NC state football. So I'm going off of the stats here, and I I, I should have watched more uh, of their games, but nothing about these numbers I'm about to tell you intimidate me, and I don't understand it. And maybe they're just a really really good defensive team, uh, and you, you you'll be on the road. Um, but they're led by a junior quarterback, Devin Leary. Completes th- these are current season numbers, and mind you, they played Charleston Southern. In football this week season completion percentage 57 percent for 449 yards five touchdowns one interception good for 7.7 yards per attempt running back sophomore i'm going to butcher his name demi sumo jarngbe 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 i think it's just yeah I think dsj oh, you know what do not ask me on how to pronounce the name Six foot two ten, leading rusher on the team, twenty one carries for one hundred and forty nine yards, seven point one yards per carry. That's that's concerning. That seven point one yards per carry only has one touchdown. Yeah, he's he's a he's a big guy, and one thing I noticed is the I don't know if he starts. Um, it may be Jordan sorry. Houston that starts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean to kind of step on your toes here, but Jordan oh, Houston, uh, I think he's a starting running back, 5'10, 192, also 20 carries for 81 yards. So only 4.1 yards per carry. He's shifty. He's not like a power runner. I mean, he's obviously not very big. Um, so it's. I hate to say this because then I'll, I will completely eat my words, but I'm, I am definitely not worried about Houston um, unless he jukes a guy. He's not going to get anywhere. He's not going to get past this front seven unless he makes somebody miss, which he, he is kind of capable of that. But just think about this. I mean, Taj Brooks is also 5'10", but weighs 40 pounds more. So that's just a totally different beast to have to tackle and deal with as opposed to a guy who's 192 so I think Houston, he's he's a pretty good back, but 
he's not going to be the type that's going to plow through the, you know, the, the linebackers and then get into the secondary. He's, yeah. he's going to get held up there. Um, Houston's also their second leading receiver on the team, five catches for 72 yards. Uh, I did notice they are extremely balanced in terms of like who catches passes. I think uh, without having their list in front of me, nobody has like their number one receiver by a long shot. It was like uh, senior Thayer Thomas. Yeah, he had six catches. He's a leading receiver on the year with six catches, 72 yards, one touchdown. Second guy is a running back, five catches, 72 yards, a touchdown. And then sophomore Anthony Smith, 6'2", 190, two catches for 58 yards. A little bit more of explosion there. Again, just for one touchdown, though. So they yeah. are, um, I'd say that like they're, they're, they're run heavy, obviously, with, with those two running backs we, we just talked about. 41 carries between them, uh, 230 yards. But, I mean, we're talking about two games, and one of them was an FCS game. So, like, the offense isn't, isn't where, where, where it's getting me. Um, defensively though, um, NC state gives up 190 pass yards a game for 4.3 yards per attempt. They don't get beat deep, or at least they haven't been this season. They've given up only 76 yards per game on the ground for three and a half yards per carry. They allow teams to convert 31% of their third down attempts, um, and they're allowing teams to score 11 and a half points a game. Now that was against, like I said, Eastern Carolina, East Carolina and Charleston Southern. Yeah. To kind of back that up a little bit, the last year they were the number 13 team defense. And for comparison, Texas tech was number 95. Let's not worry about that. But so last year consistently, you know, so far this year, they've allowed about 12 points a game last year. They averaged 20 over the entire year, 19.7. We would kill for that. That's incredible. Um, They allowed 18 of 34 passing for 208 yards and not quite two touchdowns a game. And then they allowed 33 rushes for 124 yards per game. So I I think you're right. I mean, I I think the the backbone of this team is going to be this defense, which I honestly don't know a ton about. I know that they... They lost a really good linebacker who I think was with the Seahawks for a while, but I think he got cut recently by Jones. Um, you know, he forced a lot of fumbles last year. Uh, I think he was really impactful, but he's gone on to the NFL possibly. I'm not sure if he's found another place since being there in Seattle, but this defense, I, I think that's what we're seeing is how is this, you know, how is this offense going to travel? How is Tech's offense going to travel? And how are they going to be against this defense, against a blackout, apparently? Because NC State has black in their colors, I guess. That doesn't seem like a ripoff at all. Yeah, so looking at, at their, their current uh, roster, they are led in tackles by a cornerback, which is strange to me. Um, Pitts Jr. Uh, Derek Pitts Jr. leads the team in tackles with 11. Uh, 6'1", 190 senior from West Virginia. Next on that list is a safety. Tanner Ingle, 5'10", 185 senior from Orlando. Um, like I said, both have 
11 tackles, and they've got two more linebackers behind that with 10 tackles and then another safety with 10. Um, obviously, there's more than just like picking out the, the player that's leading the team in tackles in their position, but like historically when Texas Tech was led in tackles by defensive back, it wasn't good. Correct. Yeah, that, that's that's a fact. I I don't think that, um, you know, their offense is un exciting or un is, you know, it doesn't look that crazy. Um, Leary was, he threw the 10 most touchdowns last year. I mean, he had uh, 35 passing touchdowns last year, which tied him with, uh, no, it didn't actually. He had 37 total. I think he rushed in a couple, but he, he passed for 35, which had him for number 10. So they, they are able to push the ball through the air. I mean, he averaged three touchdowns a game pretty much. They were number 29 in team offense. Tech was 50. I do think there's just there's something we're not seeing completely. But I know they also lost their consensus All-American offensive lineman. So it's, it's not obvious what they can and can't do. Uh, the, the other thing I noticed, too, this is crazy. Devin Leary is basically Clayton Toon, except he doesn't scramble as much. So let me let me let me back this up with some with some numbers. Everybody likes numbers. So last year, we're going to ignore rushing because basically Toon rushed for twice as many attempts as Leary did. So let's just ignore that. But passing attempts. 2021, Toon was 287 for 420. Leary was 283 of 431. Toon threw 10 interceptions. Leary threw five. Toon threw 30 touchdowns. Leary threw 35. Toon averaged 12.3 yards per attempt. And Leary averaged 12.1. So I feel like we just beat this guy already, but he's not as mobile. I'm feel, I'm feeling kind of confident, Spencer, just to just to kind of lead into the picks once we get there. I'm, I'm but I don't know how confident I'm feeling. Yeah, um, I don't know if, if you want to do this now, but uh, doing the the Tech Tech offense so far this year, 412 passing yards per game, 8.6, 8.7 yards per attempt. 125 yards on the ground, good for 3.4 yards per carry. Tech is converting uh, 39, more than 39% of their third downs, which dipped quite a bit after playing Houston because it was up over 60% last week. Yeah. 48 points per game. NC State offense, 266 passing yards a game at 7.3 yards per attempt. So they don't even... When you're considering Texas Tech, they don't they don't throw the ball as far downfield as Texas Tech. They're not breaking off big plays there. Uh, 175 rushing yards uh, per per game at 4.7 yards per carry. That's going to be a thing to watch. But when you look at the Texas Tech defense, they've given up 69 rushing yards per game and two yards per carry. Um, that I mean, it was it was the stronger part of the defense when DeRuiter was at Oregon. Um, 
really good against the run. And Texas Tech has been really good against the run so far this season. Uh, NC State does does extend drives. They are converting on almost 41% on their third downs. Texas Tech is allowing teams only 26.5% conversion. Points per game jumped up quite a bit this week for Texas Tech, up to 20, uh, up from 10 last week. But it's a two-game sample size, whereas NC State scores 38, but they just scored 55 on Charleston Southern. So, and and I, I realize I'm I'm kind of downplaying some of the uh, NC State numbers. Like, well, they just played Charleston Southern. Well, Texas Tech played Murray State. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't know. The the defensive thing has 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 me worked because I don't know, like you said, how this offense will travel, what Donovan Smith and this offense will look like on the road against a good defensive team. And then what your defense is going to be able to do against their rushing attack. I don't think their 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 air air game, their air attack, their passing game, whatever you want to call it, is anything to be too worried about. Uh knock on wood that, you know. Leary didn't like torch us this weekend. Um, but the line right now, Michael, like I said, was Texas tech is getting 10 points. They're plus 10 on the road with over under a 55 and a half Vegas thinks this would be a little bit low scoring. I mean, not like Iowa, Iowa state, but I mean, if it's a 10 point game and 30 or 55 and a half, that is what a, 28 to 24, 31 to 28 type game. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So, um, I'm going to stay with our preseason projections. I'll go first here. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say that Texas tech will lose this game. Spencer. Um, but I, I'm, t- I'm picking them to cover. But I, I do think it will be. So I, I'm taking NC State money line, Texas Tech to cover, and the under. If that all makes sense, give me. I mean, like a. Nope that 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 is well. Okay, just a barely under. Give me thirty-one twenty-four NC State. Okay. Okay. I I would just like to remind you that North Carolina State almost lost to Eastern Carolina. Eastern Carolina missed a PAT and a field goal in the last three or four minutes of the game. NC State scored 21 points. Seven of those was on a blocked punt. Well, special teams has been kind of an issue. Yeah, they they got two interceptions. And still couldn't get in the end zone. They didn't score at all in the second half. They were up 21-7 at halftime and never scored again. So, with that said, I'm thinking that NC State is going to score 24 points this week. Okay. But Tech's going to score 21. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm just not. I'm not there. I, I think this defense. I think Tech's defense is pretty salty, and I think they'll be able to travel 
NC State outside of, um, you know, they've got that slot receiver, Thayer Thomas. He's really quick. But, you know, they, they don't have a lot of receiving threats, so I'm not as worried. Uh, they're, they're running threats, you know, especially the guy's name we can't pronounce, but his first name's Demi. We're, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. I just can't pronounce it, so I don't want to butcher it. But uh, he's somebody that I'm kind of more worried about. I'm a little bit more worried about him than Houston. But, but they are going to give these guys quite a bit of carries. And Leary can, you know, he's he can move around a little bit. I mean, he does remind me of tune somewhat, but he just doesn't take off as much as tune. So I, I don't think that I think they're going to have some trouble scoring on this defense, but I also think tech's going to have trouble scoring. I mean, this, you might be traveling with, uh, I mean, Jacoby Jackson did a great job, but that line really fell apart. Donovan was hit multiple times on the blind side. Um, I'm not saying they fell apart the whole game. That's, silly but they did break down at some really rough times um so i i just don't know if tech was having trouble scoring 20 at home i'm just not sure how they're gonna do on the road in this type of atmosphere at a night game so i'm i'm gonna i'm sticking with my prediction too because that was that was what i had beginning of the year i just thought that tech might drop this one and then turn around and come back and beat Texas at home, but we'll get to that next week. So uh, that's why I've got Tex- Texas Tech, same as you, going with the under. I'm going with Tech covering, but losing 24-21. You're, you're kind of talking me into a lower, lower score for NC State. Hey, there's no rules here. You can change your, you can change your prediction. You've still got the under, though. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna drop them down twenty seven twenty four. It'll be a closer game. Okay. Um Yeah, so that's 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 a little a little a little further under than than just the half. Um but text tech covering there. The uh, I, I mentioned this earlier. The FPI projections for the rest of the season, um, like this game for NC State, started off twenty. You had a twenty-five percent chance to win this game. As of this afternoon, it was up to thirty-two and a half percent. The Texas game went down by half a percent. Uh, Kansas State went down by four. Oklahoma State went up by five. West Virginia went up by almost 13%. Baylor went by, went down by about four. TCU went up by three. Kansas dropped by seven and a half. Iowa state went up by five and a half. And then Oklahoma state went up by five and a half. Sorry. Oklahoma went up by five and a half. So, uh, they're believers so far. Um, and, I almost said Matt Wells. Oh my gosh. Ooh, ooh, that would have been not, a faux pas. Not a believer in Matt Wells. And Joey McGuire, Zach Kitley, and Tim DeRuder. All right. So uh we'll have our 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 normal schedule this weekend. We've already talked about the the pregame show. We'll do our two-man post-game instant reaction over on Spotify Live directly following the game. Uh Michael, let's wrap this up with what we learned. You got it. What do we learn, Palmer? 
I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. Um, I kind of already talked about mine a little bit. I was going to talk about the, the hunting trip. Um, whatever it is, whether it's scent or just wild pigs or just supreme beings. <laughs> I outsmarted us this weekend. Don't know how they did it. Don't know. doesn't matter. It, it, it's turning into like, we're going to have to figure out how to sit out there in the middle of the night, uh, whether with lights or night vision or, uh, infrared or something and just, just kind of wait them out. But I don't know. Are you going to, you get drones out there next? No, they gonna, make, they make too what, much noise. what other technology do you need to hunt a, <laughs> hunt a big smelly pig? I don't know. I, well, obviously we're not, we're not very good. Cause, uh, my brother-in-law that invited me tells me all the time that of the other guys that, that go to this ranch, how they just, they just shoot pigs nonstop. And, and so much so that they just like, they'll shoot them and just leave them where they shoot, where they fall. And like I was like, as a warning. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, man, I, I like, I've been there three times and the only time I've seen a pig was when it snuck up on me. When I like, I walked down, I was at that Creek blind. I walked down to the feeder to get like a better angle, like to, to see around like, okay, where, where would they be coming in from? As I was done, I was, I was going to pack up and leave. So I got out of the blind, walked to the four wheeler, put my rifle in the case, the little, what we wouldn't call it, the uh, holster. I'm sure that's not what it's called. And then I walked down to the feeder to go check it out and, and, and to look around. And while I'm standing there at the fence of the feeder, a pig walks up on the other side of the feeder. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I don't have a yeah. gun. I, 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 I did have a pistol on me and I was like, I'm not a good enough shot with a pistol to hit this thing from this far away. It's nine millimeters. It's going to be a little underpowered. And I was really just thinking like, if you come after me, I'm going to start shooting. <laughs> but I was like, it was a defensive thought only. Um, but yeah, so also hunting pigs just may not be my thing. We, we saw so many beautiful deer though. And, and like, it felt like they knew it wasn't deer season. Um, they also, this property also borders up against one of those trophy hunt clubs. I'm not like a big fan of those, the high fence and the high protein diets. And they just juice these deer until they get massive racks. Um, the positive though, is somewhere along the fence that borders these two properties is a hole. And a lot of those deer were on the property that we were hunting on. Now, again, it wasn't deer season, but if it were, but it will be <laughs> like, there were some just gigantic 12 and 14 point bucks that we were like seven more weeks, man, seven more weeks. But there was a time we were on the, we were, there's a shooting range just off of the cabin, the, the camp area at this ranch, um, where we were just double checking the accuracy on our rifle, making sure everything was zeroed in properly. One of these bucks literally walks out of the woods in the direction, like they're coming from downrange. We're shooting in his direction, just walks up to us within 20 yards. It's like unfazed rifles, large rifles were going off in his face, in his direction. And he was walking towards humans. Didn't seem to care. I was like, man, he's just taunting us. He knew it was September. He's, he's not worried about it. Wasn't worried about a thing. So, uh, but the other side though, it was a great time to get away to, to re refresh, uh, to kind of recharge the, the batteries here. Cause I'm one of those personality types that alone time is, is, is good for me. 
time spent oh, yeah. in thought and reflection and staring at an empty field or at deer that I can't shoot. It's beautiful. It was good. So what about you, man? I, I had the, <clears throat> excuse me. I should have muted there. I'm going to, I'm going to clear my throat real quick. Hang on. Okay. I had the opposite of alone time today and alone in thought. I went and had lunch with my kindergartner. Well, that that's always fun though. The, it was the super school, fun. School lunch with the kids is, is, is fun. It was super fun, but I would like to say that the term lunch is loosely, loosely accurate because these kids eat at 1025. So to say, how early were you there? <laughs> it was 1020. I left my office at 10 for an early, the earliest lunch I've ever taken in my entire life. So I left at 10 o'clock. Got there plenty of time. Went through the line because I, I think that's fun. That's the fun part. Like I wanted to pick a day where my little one wanted, she wanted what was served at the cafeteria. And so I had, okay, well, you show me what to do. I don't know where to go. I got to follow you. Mm-hmm. Where do I go? So she got me through the line. Okay. You know, no major mishaps. Sat with her and a couple of her little friends. And they, the three of them just talked my ear off the entire time it was great did you understand out of 10 we'll do it again even though it threw my eating schedule off for the entire rest of the day <laughs> did you understand what they were talking about no yeah sometimes no uh one of my favorite things where they just asked me they just couldn't fathom where i came from like do you work here and i was like no i don't work here where do you work somewhere else <laughs> i work at an office what do you do and Evelyn was like, well, he builds things and that's close enough. I'll take that. That's not really what I do, but it's close enough. But then later on, they kind of forgot. They asked me that. So what grade are you in? I'm like, I'm not in any grade. <laughs> and then they started going through the grades. So you're in first grade. No. Are you in second grade? No. Is, is, and they, is, they that, how, is that how old, how, how big I'm going to look in second grade? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, and I, I finally stopped him. I said, you know what? If, if I was still in a grade, I'd think I'd be in 32nd grade and that blew their minds. And then one of them asked me where all my hair went. It was just wonderful. <laughs> and, and I mean that sincerely. It was, it was great. I had fun. Good times. Yeah. I'll be going back and then I will, um, you know, start devouring the office cheese. It's at about three thirty because my, my pizza didn't hold me over that I ate during brunch. No, it's too early, man. Too early. All right. That'll do it for this week for us on the 23 Personnel Podcast. We will catch you guys Saturday morning over on Rob Bro's College Tailgate Show. We hope you guys have a great week leading up to NC State Saturday night, 6 p.m. ESPN to Texas Tech taking on the Wolfpack on the road. Hopefully they, they upset our projections and uh, get the victory. But Until then, guns up, guys. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.
Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.